The following sermon is brought to you by New Covenant Community Church, a Bible-based church located on Route 62 east of Johnstown, Ohio. To learn about New Covenant Community Church, visit www.new-covenant.org. Again, that is new-covenant.org. Now, enjoy the message. Amen. Thank you, Brianna, for leading us. All right, friends, Psalm 91. Let's dig our way there. Psalm 91, you've got time to get your tablet out, your phone. I encourage you, whatever, whatever means you have to get God's Word in front of you, uh, don't let it be a distraction. If it is a phone, whatever it might be, have an undistracted version of God's Word in front of you. Psalm 91, continue to dig your way there. We'll be in the first six verses. And next week, I promise we will be back to the book of 1 Peter to continue on in that journey. But, uh, but today we'll deal with some other matters. Out of curiosity, the other day I, uh, I decided to look up and see what the, some of the more common New Year's resolutions. Does anybody make New Year's resolutions? Raise your hand if you do. Seems like they're becoming less common in, in general. But, but over the years, they've, the, some, some, just some basic research I did to try and figure out what the more common New Year's resolutions were. Uh, the top five that I found were exercise more, lose weight, get organized, learn a new skill or hobby, and live life to the fullest. And also, my curiosity got the best of me, and I thought, oh, I wonder what the five most common non-reached or failed New Year's resolutions would be. And surprisingly enough, it was exercise more, lose weight, get organized. Is the exact same five. Maybe that's why many people don't make New Year's re resolutions anymore. But, um, you know, and many of us do. I think many of us probably at one time or the other has made a New Year's resolution that we did not complete. And perhaps it was because of our laziness or our fickle hearts. Who knows what it is? Uh, just our lack of fortitude to complete whatever it was that we had resolved to do. But, uh, but, you know, I know of a person or a being, depending on how you look at it, that seemingly every year meets, he, he accomplishes some of his New Year's resolutions. And some of us probably, I would say all of us, could probably think back in 2019 and think of a few of these resolutions that he met. And it, it took form in the way of maybe a friend that you know who suffered some very terrible losses in 2019 or a marriage that was destroyed in 2019, or uh, a, 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 someone who used to have a thriving relationship with the Lord or seemingly had a relationship with the Lord, but now has no contact with the church or, or connection with God's people whatsoever. And, and I think the same resolutions that he made in 2019 are the very same ones this year. Is that, that the devil would love his New Year's resolution, hell's New Year's resolution that involves your life, he would, he would love nothing more in 2020 than to destroy your marriage and to mess with your relationships and to mess up your finances. And young people that are living at home with their parents, he, the devil would love nothing more than to get you to dishonor your parents and, and to respect them as the head of your household. The, the devil would love, he would, if he could resolve to do some of those things in 2020, he would do those things. And I, I believe that wholeheartedly, not because I feel that way, but because John 10.10 10 says the thief, everyone say the thief. 
The thief is the devil. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. Now, if the verse just stopped right there, that would be really bad news for you and I. Because we know from Scripture that the devil has real power to inflict suffering upon people's lives and to attack them in spiritual darkness and we know that the battle that we fight as christians is not of flesh and blood but of principalities and powers and darkness in heavenly places it is against the devil and his works but praise be unto god john 10 10 doesn't just say that jesus goes on to say but that i have come jesus has come that they that we may have life and that they may have it more abundantly now here's the great issue with that. I don't know if you, if you're on Facebook or other different social media platforms, you've seen some of the promo campaigns that have been going on for churches all around. I've seen most of them in the Columbus area. And, uh, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to pick on churches, but what you'll a lot of times see in these promotional campaigns, especially during the, fir- the first part of the new year when people are trying to attract more people to churches and whatnot, is, is I, what I've seen over the past couple weeks has been come to our church and learn about God's will for your life. And I'm so far, I'm like, okay, that's cool. Who doesn't want to know God's will for their life? Come to our church and learn about how God wants, wants you to succeed this year. And I, I can still buy that. God, I mean, it's, it is inextricably clear in Scripture that as God's children, we have favor from our Heavenly Father because He's a good Father to us. But then it'll go on to say things like, come learn about how God will never let you lose and how you will have no failures in the year to come. Come to our church and, and, and God doesn't want you to fail. God doesn't want... Come learn about how you can win, win, win. And you get this kind of notion that you know, God would just be the happiest God ever if we were all happy, skinny, and rich. I mean, it's just, it's just kind of sad when you see that. And again, don't get me wrong. I believe that churches should not compete with one another, but rather complete each other. I do believe that. And I want to be very respectful of other churches recognizing that it is God's bride. Even if I disagree with some of the things they do in some of their promotional campaigns, this, this is the bride of Christ. So in the same way that any of you would hope that I would, I would respect and honor your spouse, my heavens, we ought to have reverence for God's bride, for the church of Jesus Christ. So I want to be respectful, but it is clear, and, and I want to divide truth rightly here, it is clear that there is a huge, a huge misunderstanding between the devil that does not come but to still steal kill and destroy and god jesus having come to give us a life and that we may have it more abundantly how do those two things mesh up so if we know that hell has the resolution the new year's resolution to destroy our lives to steal to kill and to destroy we know that to be true in scripture and we also know it to be true in scripture that jesus came to give us an abundant life how do those two things mesh And I hope to answer that question in Scripture this morning. So if you're in Psalm 91, look now to verse 1. And we'll read the first six verses. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him I will trust. Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. 
He shall cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. Now, in those short, six very short verses that I just read, that we just read, it is full of many different illustrations and word pictures and, and things that help us paint a picture in our mind to understand what God is like. And if the Lord would allow me, I'm going to preach through all of these just short, quick verses that have all of these different illustrations in them with the hope that there's one or two or maybe even all of them that, that your heart can latch onto, can remember, something that can be imprinted in your mind and in your heart to show you who it is that God is as we know of the devil attacking us in 2020. So, looking at back to verse 1. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow. Everyone say shadow. Under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him I will trust. If you were to go to a beach... Raise your hand if you like going to the beach. And, and beach is a lot of fun. And if, if you go to the beach, imagine that you go there and the sun is just like it is in many times that when we vacation to go to a beach, Florida or wherever, the sun can be very, very intense. And if you've got skin like me, sometimes that can kind of be painful. You go to the beach and, and, and you'd love to sit there and enjoy the wind and the waves and everything, but the sun can be so intense, it can really damage you. I mean, it can really burn your skin. So, so what do most people do? You, they go get a big shade umbrella and they go out there, they dig a little hole in the sand, they stick the umbrella and they open it up and they, they prop their beach chair up underneath the shadow of this big umbrella. And from the vantage point, from the position of being in the shadow, they can then enjoy the wind and the waves and all the things of enjoying the beach. And what I'd like for us to see here is that when God says that we would abide under the shadow of the Almighty, under the shadow of the one who gives us refuge. It's a secret place in the Most High. We, ab we abide in this shadow. What we learn right out of the gate is that the goal is not to get the sun to stop shining. The devil's attacks to continue attacking in 2020. That is not the goal. The goal is simply to be in the shadow. The sun won't quit shining at the beach. The intense rays of sun that can burn your skin will not stop the intense attacks of the devil that we can just expect will happen in 2020. They will not stop. The only difference is whether or not we are in the shadow of the Almighty. Are we in the shadow of reading His Word? Are we in the shadow of being in His house? Are we in the shadow of being with His people? Something I've learned in the past couple of years, and it's something that I hope all of us know very true in our hearts, is that everything is better with Jesus, including trouble. I'm going to say that again. Everything is better with Jesus, including trouble. In 2020, we can be sure, certain that there will be difficult times in our marriages. We can be certain, young people, that it will be, there will be times where it's difficult to honor your parents and to respect them. There, I can guarantee you there will be times where it's difficult. There will be times where we face challenges in our finances. There will be things that we face 
in 2020. And the goal is not to get those things to stop. The goal is to be in the shadow of the Almighty, in the shadow of His Word, in the shadow of His house, and the shadow of being with His people. Now that's the first part of being in this shadow. You can just think umbrella. But here's the second part. Look at verse 2. It says, I will say, everyone say, I will say, I will say of the Lord. He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him I will trust. So it's not just like a passive thing that God sticks this umbrella over you. No, you and I have to have the wherewithal and the sense about us, the common sense to say, oh my goodness, there's a shadow out there and if I'm not in it, I'm going to be hit by some of these rays of sun. I'm going to be hit by some of these attacks of the devil. It's my job to say, I will say. You need to put the stake in the ground and say, I will say, of the Lord. He is my refuge. I will put myself in that shadow. How foolish would it be? And I, some of you may have even seen this. If you go to a beach and you see somebody who decided to suntan just outside the shadow of their umbrella and they fell asleep and took a nap and you can just see him there just scorching. I remember as a kid one time walking down the beach and there was a guy, same exact situation, big umbrella. He's laying in the sun just right next to his shade and he had fallen asleep and he was just fried. Like, like a big old lobster up on the beach. I mean, it was sad. How foolish would it be to be awake and to have your skin being burnt by the sun and to have the shadow right there? How foolish would it be for Christians to not be putting themselves actively in the shadow of His house, in the shadow of His Word, in the shadow of the presence of God? It is something that we say. So the truth that we extrapolate from these first two verses is that God provides consistent relief from consistent attacks. And if you're taking notes, you can just put in parentheses, umbrella. And don't get me wrong, I'm not comparing God to an umbrella. I'm saying that this is an illustration that God's Word uses. This is something to help us to try and remember that God is a shadow that we can be in where there's refuge and safety. Now look to verse 3. Surely... He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. And you say, well, what in the world is going on there? Um, a fowler, if you didn't know, in biblical times was someone who would set traps for birds. And there are many restricted things that the Israelites were not allowed to eat, but there were many birds that they were allowed to eat. So part of the way that, you know, there are some of us in here that are deer hunters and rabbit hunters here in our church. And, uh, and, and we go out in the fall time with our weapons and we'll harvest wild game to put in the freezer for our families to consume throughout the winter. And, and they would do kind of the same thing, but they would set these snares and these traps for birds so that when birds would come down, they could catch the birds and then they would harvest these animals to eat. And, uh, and, and if a bird was, they would either be caught completely in these traps or they wouldn't be caught at all. So what, what the Bible is giving us here is, is the picture of a bird with its leg being caught in a noose. And if that bird's leg is caught in a noose, what it's describing to us is an impossible situation. If it's, it's kind of like a gun going off. It's, it's an all or nothing response. Either it's completely free or it's completely caught. And if it's completely caught, it describes the impossible situation of escape. He'll escape, he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence what's that talking about um how many of you have either a cat or dog at home yeah a lot of us how many of you have ever experienced your cat or your dog and it has a flea on it 
That's like all of us. Yeah, anybody that's raised any of those animals has experienced that before. If you've been around livestock like I have, you'll know that cattle, horses, poultry, lots of different animals will sometimes get lice. These is what pestilence would be in biblical times. And in our day, you just drive yourself down to rural king, get yourself some front line or something to treat your animals with. And in a matter of a week, the issue is no longer an issue. It's completely taken care of and it's completely gone. It's, it's no big deal at all. And biblical times, however, they didn't have rural king to drive themselves down to and they didn't have the products that we have available to us today. So if, if fleas got in your home, your home would be infested with fleas potentially until you moved. If lice got in your home or on yourself, your person, what it's describing for us is an impossible situation. If that was the state of your home, your health, who you, what, that was just, that was what you dealt with very likely for the rest of your life. And there's still places like this in the world. A few years ago when I was in Guatemala, we would go to different very remote places and it was kind of expected that if if one child in the small up in the volcanic region in this tiny little school with just maybe 20 or 25 students if one of the students got lice it was just expected that the whole school was going to have lice for the rest of however long this school exists they don't have all the things and, and resources that that we do it describes to us an impossible situation so here's what i want to say to us regarding psalm 91 verse 3 is that we can expect in 2020 that impossible situations, things that feel to us like are impossible with our marriages and young people with your parents and unmarried people trying to get a date or somebody that you are dating, somebody that you are seeing, there will be times in 2020 where we face things that feel like impossible situations. Young people, friends at school, when you feel like you don't feel like the whole school is talking about you and, and you don't have any friends anymore, you will face times where things in 2020 feel as though they are impossible. But what God's Word tells us of God is that He is the one who can deliver us from those impossible situations. So what we extrapolate from that is God delivers us from impossible situations. And to help you remember this, to help us never forget this, put in parentheses, escape artist. And again, I'm not comparing God to a human escape artist. I'm just saying these are things that will help us remember the nature of God and what we can expect from Him as His children in the year of 2020. Now look to verse 4 of Psalm 91. He shall cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. So what are we describing here? What is, what's the imagery that we're getting from Scripture here? Um, having just mentioned a moment ago that I grew up on a farm around livestock and whatnot, we had chickens. And if you've ever grown up on a farm or been around poultry before, you'll know that if you go in to collect the eggs, usually it's no big deal. You just walk in the chicken coop and you just collect the eggs and it's no big deal. But every now and again, a hen will get broody. And if you know what a broody hen is like, they put their wings out and they puff their feathers out and they, they, they'll sit and guard and protect the eggs that they're sitting on. And they'll even do this once the eggs, if you let the hen sit on the eggs and the eggs hatch and their little ducklings or, or chicks, whatever, whether it happens for ducks and for chickens as well, they'll get broody and they'll, the mother will, will put out the wings and puff out the feathers and, and, and it's, she's just a refuge for for all these these young ones, and, and I even remember one time as a kid, there was we had this issue with red-tailed hawks coming and and getting our chickens and our ducks. And I can remember one time, and you know these were little like 4-H pets. These were like a big deal when one of these things passed away. And 
And as a kid, I remember walking out to the barnyard and, and one of my female ducks had, had gotten killed by a hawk. And I was, I was really kind of torn up about it. I was very young at the time. And, and I walk up to, to retrieve the body of this animal so I could go bury it. And I realized that her, her ducklings, these little babies, were still underneath the body of this, of this mother duck. This mother had died having been killed by a hawk with her babies being safely protected underneath of her. And as I remember that story this week, I thought to myself, boy, doesn't that sound like the cross? If you believe that, say amen. That He has kept us safe under His wings while He suffered the persecution and the crucifixion that you and I deserve. So what the Bible is telling us is that He is like a broody hen. We can hide underneath His feathers and underneath His wings. He shields us. But here's the great, here's the next part, and here's the great connection between these two. The next part of that verse, part B of verse 4 says, His truth shall be your shield and buckler. Now all of us know what a shield is. We should all know what a shield is. You think of a warrior holding a shield. We know what that is. But not all of us understand what a buckler is. A buckler is a piece of material, whether it was hardened leather or metal, about this big around, and it would be wore on the arm, on the wrist, and forearm, sometimes up on the elbow. And this was not, it it could serve as a shield, but it was primarily a tool, a weapon, that was used to parry, to redirect attacks of an enemy, another enemy coming and attacking with some kind of weapon. And the buckler was wore on the arm, used to deflect, and a lot of times bring the same blow back onto the enemy that was attacking. So yes, it could be used as a shield and as a defense, but it could be used to punch, to strike, to slash, to cut. The buckler was a weapon. A soldier would have a shield in one hand and a buckler in the other. And what God's saying is that His truth shall be a shield and buckler to us. And here's the great correlation between the broody hen and the shield and buckler illustration that God gives us in His Word. It's because if you've ever been around a broody hen, you know that she's not just going to put her wings out and protect her little babies and the eggs that she's sitting on with her shielding wings. It's not just a shield, but if you get close enough, she'll peck your eye out. That she will fight for these young ones. She will fight for them. And what God's Word is telling us is that He doesn't just have a shield that He uses on our behalf, but He also has a buckler that He used to fight for us on our behalf. And this we know to be true. Romans 8.28 And we know that all things, everyone say all things, all things work together for the good of those who love God, to those who are called according to His purposes. So the truth that we're getting from this is that God protects and fights for His own. And if you want it in parentheses, you can just put the words broody fighter. And I just I love the way that even sounds. Broody fighter. God is a broody fighter on our behalf. Now here's the thing to remember about 2020. Is there will come times when you think to yourself, God has not fought for me on my behalf. God has not protected me you'll you'll think to yourself there hopefully not but there may be many of us in this room today who will experience things in 2020 that will make us think to ourselves god has failed me and here's what i want to tell you it's important in that moment church to remember that the god we serve is not just a god who wields a shield for us but he also uses a buckler 
So yes, sometimes God chooses to use the shield and he, he protects us from things. I could just, man, I could sit down for hours and tell you about things in my own life that I know that God has shielded me from. And I just say, thank you, Jesus. I know that God has saved me from this. I know that God has protected me from so many hardships and God has used his shield to protect me from so many things. But the great test of faith that comes to us so many times and something that we as believers can be ready for going into this new year is in those times where we know that God has not shielded us. Do we have the faith to trust that God is using His buckler and not the shield? Because here's what I can tell you. I can tell you that all those years ago, 2,000 some odd years ago, when Jesus was crucified on that cross and His body is in that grave, Many of his disciples and many of his followers probably thought to themselves, God didn't work, come through. God didn't protect us from what was to come about. God, God failed. But what we know, church, knowing the whole story of Easter, knowing the whole story of the gospel, is that yes, God chose not to use his shield, but God was choosing to use rather his buckler. Yes, God did not spare Jesus from the cross, but on that third day, it was made plain to everybody that God had used a buckler. He had used the buckler against the devil and against death and against sin on that third day when Jesus rose again. Somebody better say amen, or I'm just going to throw this pulpit down right now. <laughs> My goodness, that is good news, church, that God not only uses a shield for us, but a buckler that He fights for us on our behalf that is good good news he's a broody fighter he has a shield and a buckler trust him if god, if you feel like god has failed you he has not failed you god has simply chosen not to use the shield he's using the buckler all things will work out for the good of those who love him we just have to trust him in his timing it may not be in a year it may not be in two or four or five years it may be a long time but trust god in his timing of using the buckler on our behalf and let's praise him for it now look to verse 5 you shall not be afraid of the terror by night nor of the arrow that flies by day nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday so what this is telling us churches you know somebody tell me what's the opposite of night day what would be like 12 hours after midnight midnight noon it, it, what, what the bible is telling us it doesn't matter when we can expect we can just expect we can know that it's coming that that attacks of the devil that that hell has a new year's resolution for us and it's to destroy us it's to destroy your marriage it's to destroy your relationship with your kids it's to destroy your purity it's to destroy you young people from honoring your parents. It's to destroy your honesty. It's to destroy your integrity. It's to destroy all those things. That is the, that is the New Year's resolution of the devil. And we can just expect it. But what we know from this illustration, from these verses, is that we shall not be afraid of those things. God is our refuge. What we pull from this is that God is our refuge of peace he is a refuge of peace he is a loving father in parentheses he is a loving father so i don't know about you but when i think of the year ahead and i think of the very true reality that the devil doesn't like me and is not impressed by me the devil is not impressed by my preaching 
He is not impressed by anything. He is not impressed by me. He has some areas in my life that he would love to attack. He has some areas in your life that he would love to attack. But when I go into this year, knowing that I can take an umbrella with me, knowing that I can say of the Lord that he is my refuge, when I can go into this year, and Brian, if you would come, when I can go into this year, knowing that I, can, I, that I will be in impossible feeling, things that feel as though they're impossible situations, that I serve a God who serves as an escape artist for me. He'll deliver me from the impossible situation. He'll deliver me from the hand of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. God can deliver us from those things that feel impossible. God's a broody fighter. If I feel like something has hit me and hit me hard in 2020 i can just i can sit back and whatever pain i'm experiencing whatever it is i'm going through i can sit back and say to myself devil you just wait you didn't run into a shield but it's a matter of time until you run your face into a buckler that my god has on my behalf and i can go to this year knowing that we have a loving father he loves us he tells us these things will happen trials will come they will it, the prosperity gospel would say that as a child of God, you'll never have any issues. That's, that is so far from Scripture. I hate that truth. It's not, it's not a truth. It's a truth, quote-unquote, that's taught all over the place, but it is not the truth. The truth is that trials will come. They will. But we have one we can run to in refuge. We have one who fights on our behalf. We have one that brings us great, great peace. Would you stand with me? I want to trust God this year. I mean, I just I, I want to just totally relinquish any grip that I would try to have and control over my life. I just I just want to relinquish it. I just want to I want to let God do what only God can do anyway. And I just want to humbly come before Him and trust Him this year. And my hope and prayer is that you would too. Let's pray. Father, a new year has come, God. And I know for so many of us, it seemed like it came so fast. Some of us can't even remember where 2019 went. But God, it's enough for us, God. We don't need to have control. We don't need to know the end of the story. It is enough for us to just trust you. To humbly come before you and recognize that the things... The protection, the, the, the being in the shadow, the, the refuge that we need, the fighting on our behalf, those are all things we cannot produce for ourselves, God. We can't do any of it. But Father, You can. And You do it perfectly, in perfect strength, and in perfect timing. So let us, God, as Your children who love You, as your sheep who follow you and know your voice. Let us be the recipients of that, God, and trusting you always. In Jesus' name, and all the church says, amen. Let's respond to the Lord as we sing.